How's everybody doing? I'm Mike Scala. We call this Nuance, where we get into some discussions about what's happening locally and bring on some very special guests. And this week is no exception. I'm joined by our co-host, Jay Carter, who is known as Timbit in the hip-hop world, and he's also the chair of BLM Tokyo. How are you doing, Timbit? Doing good. You know, it's an overcast morning here, um, but otherwise calm and quiet. How about yourself? Not too bad. You know, staying busy. Always a good thing. <laughs> okay. And we have a very special guest with us this week. We've got Sal Albanese, who is a former New York City Council member, and he is going to tell us about an initiative that he's working on called New Yorkers for Competitive Elections. How are you doing, Sal? Hey, good, Mike. Jay, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. And I'd like to start off with a little bit of a lighter topic. And I know, Jay, you have something. What's going on with lights? Well, yeah, I mean, big news right now is that um, the James Webb Telescope is up and operational and Biden just showed the, the first images coming from there. And so up until now, the best view we've had into the deep, deeper parts of the galaxy was from images from Hubble Telescope. And so this new James Webb Telescope is much more powerful. And um, so we're finally getting to see what the images are. So we've got a couple of images here that um, compare the two different views. Um, so we can see, let's take a look at some of these here. The one on the left, or I don't know if it's left for you, but left for me, um, is a Hubble telescope image. And the one on the right is the same image from the James Webb. So you can see that it's clearer and it's brighter. Um, and we're talking about images that go, you know, the, the light that we're seeing since the distance is uh, so far away and the way that light travels at the speed. If we're seeing this now, that image would be how that galaxy looked 4.9 billion years ago. Wow. So kind of technically looking into the past. Years away. Say what? 4.9 billion light years away? Uh, 4.9 billion years ago is, is what that image is. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting to me, that's to me, one of the benefits, if you can call it that, of looking into space. It's really our way of looking into the past. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so and, and for anyone that's that's listening on the podcast, these images are, are available online. Um, you can see, you know, they can see more detail, um, you know, things are a little bit clearer. There's another one here. And so. That's what's coming out now. Now, personally, I mean, they look great, but um, I don't know. It still all just kind of looks like a blob of. <laughs> right, that was going to be my question. What are they hoping to discover or find with this, if anything? I, I think, you know, just as of anything, they're looking at, you know, what's out there in the universe, how things are moving, um, you know, you can tell by the way that things are moving about, um, you know, what's in that area. And, you know, like you've got the orbital paths and, and these types of things, gravitational forces, you can see, okay, well, this might be something there if there's, if things are moving in this manner type of things. And who knows, maybe, you know, they'll look out there and see a, a ship or two flying around. Hey, they just had a congressional hearing not long ago about that, right? Yeah, right. About, uh, you know, extraterrestrials possibly being out there. But I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, 
uh, Jay, uh, about uh, UFOs and extraterrestrial uh, bodies? I think, I don't think we're alone, but I think, I mean, space is so vast, there's so much in the universe that it would be kind of arrogant for us to think we're the only thing living. Now, I, I think it's possible that there are probably other planets. I mean, there are definitely other planets like ours, but maybe they have the same restrictions as we do. Like we're just so far apart that making it to another one would be unfeasible, you know, um, but Andromeda galaxy is the closest to us. And then even take, you know, hundreds of thousands of years just to get to there. Um, or we've been visited like many ancient cultures and modern cultures have uh, said and reported and, you know, either only a few have had contact with them or, you know, we don't know. It's interesting. Right. Very interesting. And obviously the galaxy, what's out there, is way bigger than just our solar system. So we're not saying that there's life like ours on the planets that we know, but there are so many planets we don't know out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, they're probably, they could be wondering the same thing, you know. I don't know. It'd be interesting if, uh, you know, someone popped up in a public manner where everyone knew. So it's not like someone's, you know, secret or whatever. That would be kind of interesting. But a lot of cultures throughout throughout the years um, have talked about contact with, um, you know, alien cultures and stuff. So fascinating. You're right. There's a lot we don't know. That's for sure. Yeah. So, well, one thing we do know is 24-7 speed cameras are not very popular around these parts, at least. And we did a poll last week. Uh, let's see, I got my numbers here. We asked about New York City speed cameras going 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Of course, they were supposed to be restricted to school zones and just school hours, but they went to 10 p.m. Now a new state law authorizes them to be on all the time. On my poll on Instagram, 72% of respondents said no, they did not agree. 28% said yes. On Facebook, it was about 95 to five, believe it or not, uh, against the speed cameras. Jay, I think you had similar type results. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody said no, that they, they shouldn't be 24 or seven. And that was across the different platforms that uh, raised the question, even in on the YouTube comments, it was uh, pretty much no. <laughs> um, some raised some other types of um, objections. Um, like one of the comment um, said, what can cops just start putting cameras outside every home? Do we want 24 seven footage of every piece of public roads or buildings? You know, why not force everyone to have a chip to sells whether they've committed a crime? So, right. And like we said, this started with school zones, but now right. you have them running at four o'clock in the morning. You can't call them school zones anymore. Right. So it's yeah. just very, yeah. A lot of folks believe it's a revenue enhancement, uh, to buy the city and uh, that's problematic uh, i mean I, I don't know why we can't use speed bumps um, a lot more uh, often uh, and especially in areas we have a significant amount of accidents speed bumps yellow lights what that 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 would be probably more acceptable to folks but uh, it's a big problem, especially um, I get a lot of feedback here on Staten Island um, from folks who are really uh, upset over it. I think we could use them on uh, by schools and senior centers uh, during the day. Um, I think they make sense. Uh, 24-7, uh, uh, there may be a revolution. 
Yeah, I don't like what the potential is of what else that they capture or whatever kind of, you know, data that they could be putting out. And because we turn into like a, a surveillance state, kind of similar to China and, and things like that. It's just not a, doesn't really vibe with what America is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're, they're, they've they've already kicked in, haven't they, Mike? So August 1st, I believe. We'll see what happens. August 1st, yeah, August 1st. So I received 132 comments, believe it or not, on Facebook, and I can't read them all, but I'm going to go pick some uh, because uh, you know people are very passionate about this issue and get a lot of feedback. A lot of people are complaining about bicyclists as well. In fact, the first comment I got from Kevin Brand said, cyclists don't follow the law. They ride on the sidewalk, go through red lights, and never seem to see pedestrians. And someone else posted a video, in fact, on my Facebook thread of the Rockaway boardwalk showing all these off-road vehicles drive in recklessly through the street and onto the boardwalk where they're not allowed to be. And the point here is that there's so much of an effort to crack down really on drivers and generate revenue from drivers, but why not enforce the law when other people are breaking it, like cyclists, like people on these off-road vehicles, who can be just as dangerous? Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I think they, they should also, you know, watch that. I don't think there should be these off-road vehicles on the on the boardwalk, on the beach, I and mean, the people are walking. It's, you know, these are yeah, very, very vehicles. Uh, I mean, we uh, people want to see the law enforced across the board uh, equitably. And, uh, you know, the cyclists will argue that it's a, obviously different getting hit by a bike versus a car. It's a lot more dangerous. But nevertheless, you can't have a wild west atmosphere out there. Uh, you need to enforce the law equitably. You can't have people, senior citizen wa- walking on a sidewalk and you've got cyclists running by, um, uh, running people over. That's that's terrible. We've had a couple of people die from it as well. So um, I was going to say that. And also it's for the cyclists' own safety because if they're disobeying the law and getting away with it, they can endanger themselves. They can get hit by a car. Yeah. So to protect pedestrians, just to protect them as well as for everybody. You do need to protect the bike lanes. You can't, the bike lanes that I've, uh, many of the bike lanes are just inadequately designed. I mean, they're in, a, they're, they're basically in harm's way. Um, and uh, people, that's why I, I think there's a record number of cyclists being killed uh, this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't advise anybody to ride a bicycle in, in New York City. I think it's very, very dangerous until they build uh, protective bike lanes all over the city. Dan Merkin. I'm sorry, go ahead. Dan Merkin says they were brought in with the purpose of protecting children walking to school. Now it has morphed into a shameless money grab and an undeclared tax on motorists. Combined with the ridiculous 25 mile an hour speed limit on almost every street in the city, it is too easy to quote unquote speed. I have never seen one Vision Zero message that pedestrians have to look both ways when crossing or not be crossing while staring at their phones. Right. Yeah. Valid, valid point. Valid point. My my wife uh, uh, received two summonses this year for driving uh, at 36 miles per hour, and there was nobody on the road. You know, it's one uh, one mile over the allowed speed limit, so fifty dollars, a hundred dollars this year. And she's a very careful driver, but so that that angers a lot of people. Yeah, you see that, that's a over ten, right? So the speed limit is 25 at 36, like you said. You get the ticket in the mail and yeah, it can be unreasonable because you can get multiple tickets in the same day or, or, you know, side by side. Um, There is a spot on Cross Bay. In fact, when you go 
between Broad Channel and Howard Beach, where there's a camera there and it's kind of where the road opens up. So naturally you want to speed up at that point, but you get that ticket if you do. So you have to be very careful. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Very, uh, uh, very emotional topic. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think one of the things we also concluded last time um, we brought this up that, you know, we shouldn't be looking at, um, at, at the citizens as a source of revenue. You know, we shouldn't be putting these things in so that we can get this money grabbed. You know, it's like, that's, well, you know, I was a council member for 15 years, Jay, and, and every year uh, when we have um, budget uh, uh, proposals or budget estimates, there's always a target of the amount of money raised from parking tickets and, and what have you. And, and that encourages, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and sometimes unnecessary enforcement, uh, which drives citizens nuts. You know, we gotta, we gotta raise, you know, uh, $200 million from parking violations and what have you. So it's, uh, um, it's a legitimate issue it really is that uh, folks, uh, folks get animated about. I, you know, we need common sense enforcement. There's no doubt about it. And there, it's got to be done equitably across the board. And it can't be perceived as being the city's just trying to raise money. So, um, and uh, they're anti-car, they're anti-what have you, you know. Somebody in, in my old neighborhood in Bay Ridge, uh, when I was a council member, um, uh, somebody would, you know, would stop uh, and to get a loaf of bread and, and run into the store and maybe double park for 20 seconds. And, and, and uh, instead of warning them, they move your car, they write up, you know, they write you up. So it's, uh, that drives people nuts. So, um, all right. Bernadette McCracken says, I like to see the per capita number of cameras by zip code and average income levels, cash cow for the city and borderline harassment if it no longer is for the safety of the students. Right. Yeah, that would be interesting too. Like, where are you putting these cameras? What neighborhoods, what type, you know, who are you tracking and, or who are you, you know, aiming for? Because, and again, it, it kind of creates like a, a, an adversarial type of relationship between the, the city and, and the citizens. Yeah, like, exactly. People lose faith in the government. They think it's just, uh, you know, they're just uh, uh, money. It was a money grab, um, and and it really erodes it erodes the confidence in in city government. I, I think planning board should be involved in in some of these issues. You know, local issues about speed cameras and you know where to install them. Um, you know, and 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 look at other options. I mean, we don't want people speeding. People speeding is deadly. We had a terrible accident here on Staten Island, not far from where I live three young kids uh, killed because of speeding. And so, but speed cameras would have, would have done nothing uh, in, in that case because the uh, young man driving at 16 at rapid speed would have learned his permit, you know, an unlicensed driver, um, the other vehicle uh, that was involved. So speed cameras would not have prevented that. And that's uh, something else we have to look at People just kind of take it for granted that it's a deterrent. But what are the stats on that? How sure are we that it's stopping people from speeding? Or is it just a way to generate revenue? Well, I, I also think that, you know, uh, one of the one of the ways to really address speeding is to have, you know, have the police enforce some of those speeding guidelines, because right now, obviously, you don't get any points on your license. Right. Uh, if you're if you're going if you're really a. Uh, a speeder, you're going 60, 75 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour zone, uh, you know, a, a police car, a highway unit, uh, 
stops you. You get a summons. You get two points on your license. That that has a real deterrent effect. It's one way to look at it as well. Now, not everyone, to be fair, was against the cameras. Christina Ritzman says, I don't mind them. I think most people are driving much faster than they should in residential areas. My husband's been hit by a car in his morning run. He was also almost hit by two other cars on separate occasions while running. So you do have some people who are for them and think that they do help slow people down. Yeah, but but once again, we could do we could use other other tools to stop speeding. I, I agree with her. I mean, there are the city is city right now is is like the wild west. Uh, there's there's too much speeding. Um, cyclists going every which way. There seems to be no enforcement at all. Um, and and uh, I mean, we have speed cameras uh, all over Staten Island. It's, it hasn't had much of an impact on accidents. Uh, it seems like people are still getting killed. People are still speeding. Um, so we need to use, uh, um, uh, I, I believe, a variety of tools, Mike, Jay, uh, to, to, to make sure people don't speed because speeding is is deadly. I mean, those poor kids, uh, their lives, the families of those kids will never be the same um, because of that accident. Right. And we talked about this before we went live. I think we need to try to move away from this us versus them mentality that's so prevalent in the city where it's like, you know, if you are a cyclist, you're against cars. If you're a driver, right. you hate people on their bikes. We need to be working together and, and share the road and your pedestrians. Obviously, New York City is a big pedestrian city as well, but right. people in certain neighborhoods who do rely on driving and, you know, we shouldn't be trying to punish them and frustrate them out their vehicles because it doesn't work. Instead, no. let's make mass transit more attractive, right? Let's, let's right. take a punitive approach. Let's make things better. Absolutely. 100%. You're right on target, Mike. Absolutely. So, I mean, we have, we have, when I was running for the city council here, I was attacked by the Republicans for advocating for, I don't have a problem with speed cameras around schools and around senior centers. And, you know, I was attacked as, as being, you know, uh, a staunch advocate of uh, speed cameras. Uh, once again, that, that's the politics that we're involved in in the city's litmus test. And a lot of the answers are nuanced. Um, you know, they're not black and white. And, and unfortunately, our political system is geared towards black and white um and most of the stuff is gray areas right so exactly uh, right and we don't have that space right now in our discourse to allow for that that is where the solution is most often found in that gray area right it's a good example of that you said you were described as someone who is so pro speed camera like a revolutionary on speed cameras and now you would be anti-speed camera and your position hasn't changed at all no right <laughs> right absolutely and, and and that's you know that's you know to your point, Solid. You know that nuance um, is 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 very necessary. You got to have those those discussions to find those those details and to find those solutions. Which which is part of the reason why I'm, uh, I I support what I'm going to talk about, which is final five voting, because uh, I you know the polarization comes from our political system, uh, and and it's really it has to be re-engineered. Right. So let's get into that. Actually, you ran for mayor, in fact, in 2017, and you came in second place in the Democratic primary. Right? I did. So, yeah. Far behind. Far behind. But I was in second. Far something to be proud of. And you certainly have the experience, like you said, in the city council for 15 years. You're no stranger to elections in New York City, city council and also citywide. So why don't you talk about what this initiative is and why you think it's needed? 
Well, my I've a, my uh, my uh, Jay. I've always maintained that the political system is broken in in the United States. Um, it's it's and and unless we fix the system, we're going to continue to have uh, uh, folks uh, being elected based on based on not solving problems, but simply appealing to uh, to emotions and to a small percentage of primary voters. Um, and and, and uh, we need we need the final five voting initiative that I'm promoting. By the way, it's a national it's a national uh, effort right now. Uh, Alaska just adopted it. Would 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 minimize all the polarization that we have in our political system. New York City has initiative and referendum. Uh, the state doesn't. So we're, what I'm working on with a group of folks called New Yorkers for Competitive Election is a ballot initiative to uh, implement final five voting in the mayor's race in New York City, initially the mayor's race for 2025. And basically, um, you know, we have 1.2 million independent voters in New York City that are shut out of the process, told they can't vote in the most important election in the city, which is the primary. Um, when you look at Mayor Adams, he was elected with 17% of registered voters in New York City. Uh, the public advocate and the controller were elected by 9%. They were elected in the primary. So you have a small slice of the electorate that voted these folks in, right? And, and in order to, 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 to uh, win these elections, these primaries, you've got to appeal to the most extreme uh, electorate on the right or the left. If you're a Republican, you got to appeal. I mean, the Republican candidates for governor... They, they, most of them, with the exception of Harry Wilson, have to say that Donald Trump won the election because the, uh, they have to appeal to the right, to the right wing of the Republican Party or the Republican Party, which is pretty right wing in New York. So what, what, what I'm proposing um, is that we have a single ballot primary where everybody, no matter what party, runs in that primary. OK, and everybody can vote for any candidate. You can run with party labels, non-party labels. So you have this single ballot primary and then you take the top five and they and they compete in the general election using ranked choice voting. I was on the uh, Charter Revision Commission that passed ranked choice voting. I think ranked choice voting is a good thing, but it's not enough. But what we want to do is have ranked choice voting in the general election. So you have instant runoff. So the person who gets elected mayor of New York City has to appeal to the majority of voters instead of having to appeal to a small slice of the of, of the electorate. And, and if you do that, if you win under the present system, you've got to basically you govern that way because you're afraid of a primary. That's what happens in the congressional. Most members of Congress want to work together, but they can't because the primaries, the uh, tyranny of the primary makes them appeal to a small slice of the electorate. And if they get there under those uh, under that system, they basically govern that way. They don't want to compromise. And in New York City, uh, you know, we, we could we can make a, a major statement if we adopt this in 2023. Um, where you have you really have a general we don't we didn't have a general election like Jay in New York City we had we don't have a competitive general election we have Eric Adams who got elected in June uh, last year 
basically running without any real competition in general election. De Blasio, the same thing in 2017 and 2013. So the general election is the most important election because most people vote in that election. The primary is a small slice of voters. So in order to win in New York City to be the mayor under our system, you would have to appeal to the broad electorate of New York City. We have 8.5 million voters. And also you're able to have more diverse parties and diverse candidates in the finals. You you have the Green Party, you've got the Independent Party and what have you. And, and, and they all compete in the general election. And it, it makes folks more accountable. Uh, it, 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 forces people, it, it forces people to really appeal to the broad electorate of the, of the population. And you're gonna get more diverse candidates as well. That's an interesting point, Sal, because like you said, the general election has more voters in it. So what sure. you see now is people winning these primaries with just the base of their parties and in most districts in New York City, and, and in fact, citywide in New York City, uh, the Democratic side is all you need to win. So what you're saying is now this would allow more people, more voters who represent a bigger population, a bigger share of our people in the city Correct. In on it than they do now. Um, similar, I guess, to open primaries, which they have in some places too, right? Right. But I mean, uh, this is a, this is a, um, uh, this is a, uh, an open primary uh, uh, effort, uh, just a different, you know, different type of open primaries because you, you're you're allowing independents to vote, uh, Green Party candidates to vote uh, in the primary. So it is an open primary. Only the, the the only thing is that we have ranked choice voting in the general election, which guarantees if you're if you're going to win as mayor of New York City in 2025, you're going to have the majority of voters supporting you uh, through ranked choice voting. Obviously, you, you you guys know what that is, right? You, you just ran with that. So you, you can't, you, instead of having a mayor being elected and then by 28% of plurality of plurality voters, you're having a mayor who's gonna be elected by the majority of voters and appeal to a broad electorate rather than, than uh, a narrow group of people. And basically, I, I don't see, I don't see the political system that we have today being aligned with the public interest. It's aligned with the political interest. I mean, the, the people who make the rules are the, are the political insiders. There's a great book called The Politics Industry uh, that Catherine Gale and Michael Porter have written. Catherine Gale is the, and it, it's called The Politics Industry, and they outline, you know, how much of a big business politics is, consultants and, you know, political insiders, really, the system, and the system is fixed for them, really. It's not really, uh, it's not really designed for the public interest. It's, it's, it's designed for this narrow interest of folks um, that, that, that benefit. Out, Jeremy in the chat says, okay, it involves more people, but what legislative body would vote against the self-interest? How do you pass that? So that speaks to you wanting to make it a ballot initiative. Right? Exactly. I was involved. Right. Exactly. They, they will never do that. Uh, obviously, everywhere, uh, everywhere open primaries have been passed. It's been done through initiative and referendum. Uh, and and uh, that's why in New York State, it's we're a mess because Albany has to pass reforms and they won't do it, Mike. Jay, they just won't do it because it impa- the most important thing to these folks, look, is is being reelected, right? That's the number one priority, incumbent protection. Um, that's why we're, we're doing this through ballot initiative. I was involved with term limits in New York City. I was one of the few legislators to support term limits when I was on the city council. And I worked with 
with, with Ron Lauder, a conservative uh, who provided a lot of the funding for the initiative. And everybody, every insider, every political insider was opposed to it. Uh, the Speaker of the City Council, Peter Vallone, went berserk uh, over term limits. And they all did everything possible to defeat it. And, and the initiative passed by 60% of the vote. Uh, but it has to be done that way because politicians just will not, well, they just will not adopt reforms that impact uh, their ability to get reelected. I, I can't say all of them. I mean, I like to consider myself uh, unique in that regard and a couple others as well who supported term limits uh, at the time. Um, but uh, uh, we need the most important problem facing America right now is a bankrupt political system. I mean, at John Adams, George Washington, they talked about partisanship. They say partisanship will destroy the country. Um, and and I'm, a, I'm not saying we shouldn't have parties. Parties are important, but parties will reflect what the general population wants and put together platforms that are attractive and make them more responsive uh, under, under our system. Uh, I mean, you could run uh, Mike Scal as a Democrat running for mayor. Sal Albanese is a Democrat running for mayor. Sal Albanese running as an independent. Um, it, it will it will it will shift the debate and and uh, will focus uh, candidates to solve problems instead of just vying to be reelected. I don't see a connection quite often between somebody being reelected re and the quality of their work. It's, it's, you know, uh, I mean, running citywide, I can tell you this right now, that there are folks that should have never been mayor or never been elected to citywide office, but they were able to raise money from people who do business with the city, hire the right consultants, uh, and, and you get elected. And then, then a crisis comes and you realize that these folks can't handle a crisis. So um, no. How do you think the mayor's race would have played out under that system? Would you have any? Uh, it, would have been, it would have been interesting. I think you would have seen, you know, uh, uh, Eric may have not gotten elected. Maybe, you know, Kathleen Garcia would have gotten elected or Maya Wiley. I don't I don't know. Uh, but I think that that uh, uh, one of the reasons why Eric Adams won is because we passed ranked choice voting. I was in the Charter Revision Commission that passed ranked choice voting. And he, he, he came across as the most moderate of the candidates. And I think that's what got him elected. In the general election, I don't know what would have happened. I think obviously he would have been a contender, but uh, he would have not been guaranteed. Well, that's an interesting point, because as you mentioned, he really won in that Democratic primary, but he won the Democratic primary as a more moderate candidate. Now, do you Correct. think the general election electorate is more moderate or you know, how would that be different? Well, the general election, I think, I think general election, most folks uh, are would be more moderate uh, in a general election. Um, and and so would that would, play Adam's strength as well, or would Adam? Yeah, uh, I, it, it uh, would. I, I think it would. But you know, but don't forget, Garcia and, and only lost by like one or two percentage points. So uh, you don't know. You know, you'd have uh, you have a lot more. You'd have independence voting. Um, you know, one, don't forget, twenty five percent of the New York City electorate. Are independents 1.2 million. We're not talking about a hundred thousand voters. We're talking about a huge block of voters who are who are very very engaged. And and and, and in general election, they really don't have much of a choice, right? I mean, Democratic primary is over. The Republicans basically don't have much clout in New York City. They're they're you know they're almost extinct. They got a couple of council members, but um, the fact is that 
you know, once Garcia and, and some of the other Democratic candidates got knocked out of the box, uh, the competition was not there. Curtis Lee was a good guy, but he, he can't doesn't appeal citywide. Um, and, and this would this would increase in role, uh, uh, turnout, by the way. Turnout's dismal, as you know, Mike, in New York City. Our turnout is disastrous. Uh, Democratic primary voters, 13 percent, usually 13 to 15 percent. General election, maybe 24, 25 percent. So you get a competitive general election. You're going to increase that turnout um, and also have you, you, you give people choices and you also force people to uh, uh, to crystallize their platform, their issues. Um, so uh, I think I think final five voting is, in my view, the gold standard of political reform. And it should be done on it should be done across the board for all races. I mean, uh, uh, right now. Uh, besides Alaska, Nevada is considering final five. San Diego, the city of San Diego is considering final five. But if you guys get a chance, read this book, The Politics Industry. Uh, Catherine Gale is, is the founder of the, uh, uh, of the, the Institute for Political Innovation. They just gave us a grant. So uh, we, we received a grant this week. We hired a, a full-time campaign coordinator. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff on social media. We're going to be building up a campaign across the city. I'd love to come out to Queens one day, Mike, uh, and talk to people about it. We're going to have, you know, it's going to be a real campaign. Um, talk to and, us about that, about what steps have to be taken to get this done. What is the process of getting okay. the initiative up for a vote? You, you have to, uh, you have to garner about, and you're an election lawyer, so this, this would be, uh, I'm sure you know this already. Uh, in order to get the, the initiative on the ballot, you have to garner at least 30,000 uh, 30, signatures uh, from folks across, it doesn't matter what party uh, they belong to, right? 30,000 means 60,000 signatures. You got to double the amount. Uh, and and by, you, you submit them to the city clerk. Uh, you got to do that by, by around, there's no definite date, but, but May, by May, I would say. And then, the city clerk would have to send them to the city council. The city council could then agree to place the initiative on the ballot, the final five ballot initiative on the ballot. If they don't agree, you'd have to go out and garner 15,000 more signatures. That means another 30,000. So about 90,000 signatures in two cycles, because I believe the city council will not approve the final five voting initiative. So that's the process. We're going to have to hire a petitioning firm. We got to, we're, we're going to garner volunteers. We do have a lot of uh, support amongst uh, uh, some of the Yang voters. Andrew Yang is a big fan of uh, uh, open primaries and final five voting. Um, and we've talked to some of the political clubs in the forward party, uh, which he's forming here in New York. Uh, so we're, we're, what, what, our, what our guy is, uh, uh, the guy that we hired, is focused on is building a base for this, you know, across the city, uh, gathering volunteers. It's like, a, it's like a citywide political campaign. You know, we're going to need television. We're going to need radio. And we're also talking to large donors um, and, and uh um, there, there. You know, Mike Bloomberg was a big fan of nonpartisan elections. Uh, he tried to uh, adopt them, and when he was mayor, he failed because uh, I think they they made a lot of political mistakes. He had pissed off the unions at that time, and all the unions came out against it. You know, um, but I, I think 
I, I believe the time is right. People are really concerned about our politics in New York um, and, and across the country. The polarization is at an all-time high. What this, what this final five voting will do is minimize polarization because you don't have that, you're not appealing to that hard, small plurality, uh, minority of hardcore voters, right? That, are, that you have to have, uh, you have to comply with all their litmus tests or else you lose a primary. Without, uh, Harry Wilson, I, I, I told you about, I think he was the best candidate in the Republican primary. The guy's a successful businessman. He spent uh, $13 million. He's pro-choice, and and he's for open primaries, and he believes Trump he believes Trump lost the election, so that killed him in the Republican primary because of those litmus tests. If that was an open primary, uh, Wilson could have been the nominee of that party, could have been the nominee for governor, um, or, or he would have been in the final five in a general election for sure. Um, he probably would still be left out in a cold in the general because you have polarized voters. I mean, you're really not going to escape that. I mean, I'm sure there is a brand for him, but I would think in New York City or New York State, for that matter, the other candidates would occupy a, a wider lane. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I think most people in New York, uh, like most people across the country, I think they're they're sensible, common sense uh, voters. Um, I mean, Bloomberg, don't forget, in New York City, uh, won a mayor's race. I mean, guy was a Democrat, really, and, and Republican close. He, he, he adopted a Republican Party, and he, and he won that election against Mark Green um, back in 2001. So I, I don't know. I think I think most people uh, tend to be um, tend to be open minded in the middle. I think the extremes on the hard left and the hard right are not the majority. I think they're they're mm-hmm. small. Uh, portion of the uh, electorate and uh, man that's why uh, well across it's not only i mean the stats are proving that most uh the most growing slice of the electorate are independents people are not registering with parties they're reg- especially young people they're registering as independents so and you know you don't want to and, and those folks uh, play a major role in, in elections uh and they they should be they should be part of the process, especially in New York City, where we have the primary is is the end all and be all. Right. And that's really, I guess, maybe where my cynicism comes from. I'm conditioned to think of a primary system like the one we have now. So I look at someone like Harry Wilson and I say, well, his base is really so small, but it's because he is exclusively uh, in that Demo- the Republic- Republican primary, of course, now he wants to run third party, but in the Republican primary, he's he's really nothing. He's um, nothing, yeah. Where he is, and it, it just looks like then he has no support statewide. And then when he moves on, even if he goes to the general election as a third party, let's say, people think he can't win, so they don't vote for him. So it just looks like he doesn't have the support. But maybe under a different system, he, someone like that could get more support. Exactly. And you, don't forget, you rank choice voting, right? So you rank from one to five. Um, so people could vote people could vote for Harry Wilson number two or number three, and, and he may have enough number one votes uh, to sustain himself until he reaches uh, that, that 50%, uh, uh, that 50% margin, which is the majority, obviously. So that rank choice voting is, I mean, I, I think it's a great thing. Um, and then we need, we need to, I just think we need to do more with, with the final five and move rank choice voting to the general election. I've had, my concerns about ranked choice voting, but I can see how under this system, it would kind of be necessary because you don't want to run the risk of splitting the vote. If in a place like New York, you know, take right. you have 
four Democrats on the ballot and one Republican, well, that could be a recipe for Republicans to win with a very small plurality. So you would need right. ranch choice to kind of right. the Democratic majority in that scenario. No, I, I like uh, 100%. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you what we're having, what's happening now is that we have folks being elected, you know, uh, who garner 25, 30% of the vote. Um, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, 80, 80, 80% of the people voted against them, right? And they become mayor because uh, there is a, because of plurality voting. Yeah, you know, my concern has always been though that if someone wins who doesn't have the most votes, that can disenfranchise people also, you know? But on the rank choice voting, Mike, that you can't win unless unless people rank you, right? Exactly. So they, they, they but, have but to rank you. So your choice votes, let's say, and still lost the election. You, you can have you can have thirty percent uh, number one votes uh, and still lose the election, but the fact is that the, the person who comes in in first place will have the majority of the votes, um, even though say you know you you got thirty percent, I got twenty percent, but uh, I have a huge number of number two votes. That means people voted for me uh, and like what I had to say. It means more people uh, wanted, so they will, than wanted me, I guess, under that. Type right. Of I mean, they won't be disappointed because I was their number two choice or their number three choice. Uh, they ranked me. So instead of instead of having a, a candidate, you vote for one candidate and that candidate wins the plurality of votes, 30 percent, that person becomes the mayor with 70 percent of the people voting against him or her. Well, I would still be disappointed if I voted for a candidate and that candidate got the most votes and still didn't win. Even uh, though even though they, they were ranked, uh, the other candidates were ranked. I mean, uh, if, if, if people still rank you, right, that means they must like something about you. They will be disappointed uh, if they I mean, if they don't like you, if they're hostile towards you, they're going to they're not going to rank you. Number two, three, four or five. They just, they're just going to leave it out. Also, because you don't have to rank people. You can just vote. Right. For one if you, want. you can just vote. You can you can just bullet vote for one person. You know, and in so. my district, that's what I saw a lot and maybe more so mine than some other places. But when we were counting the absentee votes, especially, it was actually kind of rare to see rankings. And we saw it. But a lot of the time it would be like scholar all the way through or someone else all the way through. Or just one filled uh, in for one. How did, who, who came in first in your race in the primary with number one votes? Was it? I, the, I came in second, but by I think I, we were only short like seventy-two votes. Okay, and wow. The right choice. We fell a little further behind. Right. So I have a question um, for for you, Sal, um, in regards to the the final five voting. What's the what's the downside of it? You said final five is like the gold standard. You you think, but what what, what would be the downside of it? I, I, to be honest, I, I don't see a downside. I really don't see a downside. I mean, uh, uh, people can claim, um, some people claim that why should, why should independents vote in a Democratic primary? Why should independents vote in a Republican primary? Uh, you know, it's, uh, let, them, let them register as a Democrat or as a Republican. So there, there'll be some criticism of that. The, 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 the opposition usually comes from the political machines because they they want to keep the they want to keep the process closed and one of the arguments they advance is that uh, why should somebody who's a Republican um, have to be subjected to uh, 
a Democrat or, or an independent voting in that, voting in that primary. So um, that that's that's one of the major criticisms of, of right. I mean, I guess primaries. concerned that someone could try to sabotage. Yeah, exactly. But, but let's face it, Mike. How do you sabotage? You got to be really well organized, at, 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 you know, to, to, to sabotage an effort like that, especially when you have you know millions of voters. Um, that's that's one of the downsides, uh, Jay. I I, I, uh, I I would recommend if you get a chance to read the, this book called The Politics Industry. I mean, uh, it, it, you, I I look at this stuff from. Let's not make uh, uh, the perfect the enemy of the good, right? I mean, there's always there's always some uh, uh, some wrinkles, some critique, but in, in terms of final five voting, uh, you know, I, it 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 basically solves elected officials, it rewards elected officials who solve problems. It, it 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 makes general elections more competitive. It allows diverse candidates to participate. Um, and, and there are a lot of folks in New York City that, you know, the Libertarians, Green Party, all those folks become become active participants in, 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 in our politics where right now it's hopeless. Right. And, and uh, it also promotes accountability because it, it, it promotes competition. Competition is good. Like it's like the business world, uh, you know, uh, monopolies don't work. And we have basically a duopoly now in, in, in our politics and, and, and there's no accountability there. And, and it also lets politicians use their skills where they can, they can go in and try to solve problems instead of worrying about making sure that they comply with all the litmus, te- litmus tests that their party mandates or forces them to, uh, to um, basically comply with. So I, I think that was a lot, of, a lot of positive, a lot of positive. Uh, yeah, for those like just wondering why there will be so much opposition, that's really it. You're really weakening the parties and the institutions. Well, you know, if the parties are strong, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, you're a Democrat, and, and I don't plan on changing parties. It would force the parties to be more competitive, right, to, to attract um, a wider base of support, um, but it definitely opens up the process, and it, I think it's good for democracy. I, I don't think I think primaries have become the bane of our existence as we look across the country. I mean, it's incredible, and you have Lynn Cheney out in uh, Wyoming now, who's in the middle of this uh, January sixth uh, committee uh, hearing. She's urging Democrats to, to change parties so they can vote for her, right? Uh, because uh, because there's so much uh, opposition to her. I think she was down like 30 point. points or something like that. In that yeah, problem. I know, which is amazing, right? I mean, the Cheneys are like uh, royalty in Wyoming. She's down 30 points because uh, the people think that Trump won the election, the Republican electorate. But, you know, uh, but in, in Alaska, the woman, Mikowski, Lisa Mikowski, who's running, uh, and Trump went out to campaign against her. There's a really good chance she's going to win because because we, they have final five voting in Alaska, and, and Democrats and independents are able to vote. Uh, so Lisa, uh, you know, will be saved by final five voting. And I think, I mean, she did the right thing in my view in terms of uh, in terms of Trump. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but she's. Oh. Uh, no, no, absolutely. So just to recap, or for those tuning in, final five voting with well, the system would be you would have. Uh, anyone can vote, could run in the primary, 
single ballot primary one primary so you wouldn't have a primary per party right so everyone is in it the top five vote getters not ranked choice in the primary now it's just the top five vote getters right move on to the general election and now you have five candidates or up to five on that general election ballot and again it's, it's not a primary so you can be any party any registered voter can vote in either of these general election top five that's ranked choice voting when you get correct correct you got it mike well that's you know your stuff. Well, we got some questions here. Well, one question, Jeremy in the chat says, can we do electronic petitions? I can answer that. New York State does not allow that. Uh, as far as getting signatures, they have to be original signatures. In fact, the Working Families Party got in trouble last year. I think they had an e-signature on one of their documents and all the candidates got knocked off the ballot, despite an, an executive order. There was some controversy over that, but it's, it's very strict. They'll have to be signatures in original ink. Um, good, so business, can, good business for election lawyers. Yeah, right. Another comment, the extremes have the energy, moderates don't strike passion into the people. That's a good point. And really separate, I would say from this, although it's related, I found that as well, that especially in these primaries, you have people who are on the extremes, they're the ones who want to be out there all day long knocking doors and yeah. the time and they'll make the phone calls. People who are more moderate or maybe more in the middle on issues, uh, they care as well, but they tend to not have as much passion behind it. Or maybe they're just busier in some cases. They're older in some cases, whatever it is. They have families, you know, whereas you, you find a lot more young people on the extremes. Um, at least on the Democratic side, I found no, that. you're. hundred percent right. I would have, for example, volunteers who were very devoted to seeing that I won, but they just didn't have that kind of time that they were able to commit to it. You know, they would have to cook dinner for their family. Maybe they knock on doors for an hour. No, no no doubt about that. Other people who can be out there all night knocking doors for the more radical candidates. But still, they're still a very small slice of the electorate. And I think what happens is uh, the parties, the technology is so good these days that you target that small group, Right. And independents can't vote in the primary. So they're not even, I mean, I ran into people all the time saying, Mr. Albanese, I'd love to vote for you, but I'm an independent, right? And and so you you basically don't even mail to those people. You don't call those people. They're kind of forgotten. So th- th- under this process, they become, they become part of your target to get people out to vote. Um, But the extremes on both sides, uh, obviously, I mean, the hard left and the hard right are are much more emotionally engaged, uh, um, but they're only a small slice of the population. And if you open up the system, you open up the system and, and, and you throw into the pot all of these independent voters, um, you start, you know, Green Party voters and all of these folks, they become, um, they, the turnout will increase. Um, and I, I believe, I, I believe, I mean, the right choice voting, I think, helped Eric Adams a lot, you know, because uh, he, he was able to, he was the moderate choice and the, the extremes on the left and on the right, uh, even though they were energetic, right, many of them supporting Maya Wiley or, 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 or this woman, I forgot her name, uh, Latino woman, but they weren't enough to overcome uh, uh, Eric Adams and Catherine Garcia. Both of those folks were considered moderates. So um, the fact is that uh, I bet you their volunteers were much more motivated, Mike, um, Wiley's, uh, yeah. but they still lost, um, you know. 
Right. But sometimes what you see is these outside groups might not even be from a district. Let's take a city council race. Or even if you want to take a citywide race in New York City, maybe it's coming from outside the city, even wherever it's from. But you have these special interests who come and they pour so many resources into these campaigns and they really have an oversized influence in who wins because campaigns, especially at the local level, are about who can get their voters out. It's, you know, it's, it comes down to resources oftentimes. It's not like voting for president where everyone's paying attention and watching debates and stuff like that on TV. It's, it's very localized. And so that's an issue. Like I would take questionnaires sometimes from some of these groups. They would ask you 500 questions and would expect you to answer all 500 of them the way they want. I know. I you want to give constitutional rights to elephants. I'll be like, what? I can't go through everything. And then they pour all the resources into the candidate who says, sure, I'll do that. And it does make a difference. Even if the electorate in our district doesn't agree with the messaging, that's really not what it comes down to. It comes down to the resources that these other groups who are on the extremes pour in. Yeah, well, that's a, that's another issue in terms of money and politics and uh, um, the, the decision, you know, where these PACs come in, um, Citizens United, it's, that's another rough issue. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a big believer in democracy vouchers as a way to fund campaigns, but that's another that's another story. It's a story for another day. Um, but but I, I think the final five voting is is a way to in, introduce more competition into the process open the democracy uh, up to uh, all of these folks uh, that are out there, libertarians, independents. That's, that's a large, very large number. And I think competition is healthy. I really do. Without competition, you, you don't really have much accountability. You can, there's no connection right now. There's no, in my view, as I said before, there's no connection between getting elected and performing performing and solving problems. It, it's it's irrelevant. You can solve problems and still lose an election. So we get, got the poll question out um, and we have to keep the poll question short because it's all about our stories. So it's gotta be concise. So how about something like this for this week's poll question for the people out there? Do you agree that primaries in New York City should be open to voters not enrolled in any particular party? See what people think. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good one. And, and ultimately, I mean, a primary election is, even though, you know, it's so much fanfare, so much coverage and, and whatnot, it's essentially a closed private election for the party itself. So, I mean, that, that does beg the question, should people not in the party have a voice in who gets elected to represent the party? So, uh, Jay, that, that, that's a great question. And, and uh, I, I think... You, you got to step back and look and 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 say what's what's important to the public interest. Is it is partisanship more important than having a democracy that is open, and 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 people are elected with a broad mandate? I think I think that's more important. But parties still have a role to play. Parties, I mean, if parties have an attractive platform. Uh, and, and they attract good candidates, they'll still be major players. In New York City, obviously, there's an eight to one registration uh, advantage for Democrats. So they're never going to be out of the mix here. But I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a Democrat, but I'm not really a partisan. I think partisanship is hurting the country badly, very badly, more, more than ever. I've never seen the polarization being this high. And I think that, that this is one of the ways to mitigate it. Well, speaking of people enrolled in parties, the Daily News just put out an op-ed a couple of days ago saying that the independence party line should be renamed for November. Now, there was a survey 
10 years ago that found that 85% of people who were enrolled in the Independence Party thought they were unaffiliated with any party because when you can sign up to vote, you can check off no party, but there were people who were checking off independence thinking that meant they were an independent. And a lot of people got confused by that. And arguably that party chose its name to confuse voters, to trick them into signing up for that, not knowing what they were getting into. So uh, what do you think about that? Right now they're not recognized as a party, so you can't enroll in that party if when you sign up to vote. But uh, Lee Zeldin is seeking that line in the November general election. So if successful, he'll be listed as not just the Republican candidate, but the Independence Party candidate, maybe causing more confusion. Yeah, I, I, it's been a longstanding controversy, as you know. Um, uh, I, the, the people are thoroughly confused about, uh, about the Independence Party. Um, maybe, uh, maybe they should add another, another name or, or make it a, a two, uh, uh, two letter party independence yeah, or something, but I, I think it's, started, I believe when it first started, it was known as the independence fusion party and they were forced to change it. To right. Yeah. I think it's very confusing. I, I do believe that, uh, people are kind of misled by it. Um, uh, but, you know, Zeldin, of course, is looking at it. It's just another line, right? The more lines, the better. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't care. Neither, you know, everybody vies for, uh, we have the Sam Party. We had the, I, I was the Reform Party candidate for mayor as well as the Democratic Party uh, in 2017. Um, and and, and all, We should all not forget the rent is too damn high party. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right, Jay. One of the most important parties right now, I think. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and that gentleman made tremendous headway, by the way, as you know. He was, what was his name? Uh, you mean McPhillip? McMillan? McMillan. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was all over. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was yeah. uh, I think they had him on Saturday Night Live at one point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was ahead of his time, especially if yeah. you're looking at what the rents are, are like right now. Um, yeah. So I mean I can see how people are getting getting confused. Uh, Jimmy Millen, uh, James said. Jimmy, in the chat. Right. That's right. But I can see how people are getting confused. Like you said, independence versus independent. Could um, could they just have um, a line right above the choice thing that's saying that there's a difference between being independent and being independence party, or just instead of saying independence, put independence party, well, or even put no party as the first choice so that people catch that before they get down to independence. Well, the reason why they put no party on the bottom is because they're giving you the option to vote in a primary, which goes back to what Sal was trying to do. Right now, you have to be in one of these parties to vote in a primary. So it's basically saying, do you want to be able to exercise this right to vote in New York City? Because it comes down to the primary. So they're saying, hey, listen, if you want to have a say, you got to pick one of these. If you don't want to, okay, you got the no party choice. But the Daily News is saying it's confusing. I agree it's confusing. The problem is... The law is the law. I mean, you would really need to change the law to say that, to, to say, you know, you can't have a name that's, that sounds similar to right. independent or it's going to confuse voters into thinking that they're not with the party or something like that. Right now, the law doesn't say that. So they are within the law to do it. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, to mitigate that confusion, they can put that line right above the, the, the selection box that says, you know, um, put no party first. No party means you're independent. And you don't uh, have access to any party primary, um, and then people kind of have a, a little bit of an uh, idea of what they're doing. I mean, some people are still going to get confused, but I mean, to mitigate that, you know, put some kind of um, 
Well, Jay, Jay, you're being rational right now. Once again, you you know the political insiders don't. Uh, you know what what benefits what benefits the incumbents is the key, right? More confusion is helpful to the uh, incumbents. I mean, and and Mike knows this. He negotiates uh, this stuff all the time. I mean, Mike, we wouldn't need as many election lawyers. So I, you know, gotta be, gotta be careful. I'll, I'll be all right. You know, I'll find something else to do. If uh, yeah. um, you know, I think that's a good point, Jay, though. They really could, when you sign up to vote, be more clear as to what it is. They kind of just assume everyone's an expert and people aren't. Um, the Independence Party did lose its ballot line by not getting enough votes for governor. So now when you sign up to vote, you don't even have that option. So hopefully people are being confused. But there is a risk in November if it appears on that ballot when people vote. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cuomo changed the rules, as you know, Mike, for the, the number of votes you need to be an established party. I think he doubled or tripled them. I mean, um, so that you only have two other parties right now, right? The working families playing the conservative party. That's right. That's it. Besides the, the duopoly. I think we should just start the uh, nuance party. Mike, what do you think? <laughs> Jay, it's all about nuance, my friend, as you know. Absolutely. So about voting in New York City, so we always could make that a third line. You know, why not? If someone's making an independence line, that's not an official party. You can pick whatever name you want, as long as it doesn't confuse voters with another existing party. Right. Oh. We'll put well, that in the put that in the back burner. <laughs> Looks like we're actually about our hour mark here. So time went fast. Any closing words, Sal? Well, I just want to thank you for um, uh, having me on, and uh, I hope you consider talking about final five in the future uh, as this thing uh, picks up momentum and i'd love to come out and uh, you know uh, if you have any community groups uh, we can send speakers out to talk about it um i think it's uh, provocative and i think that uh, um, most people are interested in having an open more open process and final five does it Yes, I'm definitely willing to have that conversation and put the information out to the people. I mean, that's what it's all about. People are going to be deciding, so they should have as much information as possible on it. And where where could people get that information? Is there a website for the group? Yeah, there's a website. Good, uh, Jay, thank you for reminding me. Openvote.nyc. Openvote.nyc is the website. Um, our group is called New Yorkers for Competitive Election, but we have a website with the steering committee. And on the steering committee, we have folks from across party lines. We have a Republican, we have a Libertarian, we have a number of Democrats um, that are active, and, and we have a number of folks around the city. We are looking for more people to join our effort. We have a Zoom call. We have a call every Monday. So, Mike, if you know anyone who wants to get more involved, um, we're open to, to having more people involved. Jay, you're in Japan, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're also welcome to uh, to log on. So, so openvote.nyc. Openvote.nyc, good. Very good, Sal. Thank you for joining us. And hey, thank thanks, Mike. Thank you, Jay. We'll catch you Thanks. next week, Sal. We definitely want to follow up on this in the future. Great. Look right. forward to it, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks again, Jay. Out. Thank you.